Hi, everybody. Adam Cook from Campus Inc. in the NIL store. Want to say real quickly, thank you so much for listening and joining us on this journey. And as a reminder, if you ever need any custom merchandise, youth jerseys, camp t-shirts, whatever it may be, you can always find us at campus.inc. And of course, for all your NIL needs, nil.store. We're going to jump into the episode. I hope you enjoy. That is lovely. What is what did the what is that? Little Campus Inc. NIL ice shaker. Is the oh is the, yeah, Gronk? If you're listening to this, uh, is our podcast sponsored by Ice Shaker now? <laughs> De facto. Uh, first unofficial endorsement, but uh, great drinkware. <laughs> if you need drinkware, ice shakers. Sean, what are you wearing? Um, uh, for, for those that don't know, today was the holiday party. Of course, did a little secret Santa, so I'm wearing, I'm wearing a little festive sweater. Is that a Budweiser? Uh, and a turtleneck. It is a Budweiser. Um, I always forget what it actually said. First, first person to stand up on a podcast. That's a dangerous thing to do. <laughs> dangerous so, thing to do. So for those who are not watching and just listening, uh, Sean is wearing a legendary ugly Christmas sweater <laughs> combined turtleneck, which I, I was joking with him as a, as a University of Maryland grad. I was like, is that part of your admission requirements? You got to wear a Classic. turtleneck twice a week. Classic you look sharp, Sean. Thank you. Uh, my neck, my neck is extremely warm. <laughs> but so is the turtleneck like, connected to the sweater? No, is it's it a, a, a separate entity. You wore both of them. I yep, wouldn't be surprised both. if there was a little Under Armour thing right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the little like generally, mock turtleneck branding. Generally, yeah. the way it goes. Yeah, it's weird because we're recording these in the evening now. Well, it's four fifteen, but it feels like it's ten p.m. at night. We it talked does. about this last week, and actually I saw last week at 4.15, it was the, I think it was at the peak of earliest, it will be dark, and now we're back on the upswing. We're, so, we're on the other side of the equinox. This is this is when you get to, there's like two versions of the Midwest. <laughs> it's like the, the sun setting at four version, and then every other version, and we're, we're heading back towards the light. Now we're on the upswing. So guys, it's been, um, well, welcome back to everyone for another episode of the NIL show, uh, with our, our two special co-hosts, Sean and Adam. Um, it's been a wild week. It has been a wild week. Uh, you guys both were in champagne <laughs> at separate um, times, at separate times the last two weeks. <laughs> um, what's, what's the perspective like of seeing, seeing it all go down? I'll let you go you first, Sean. <laughs> no, I, I, I always think it's really cool. We're always we're up here in Chicago, kind of on the front end of things, um, almost on the sales side, marketing side, um, gathering schools, getting people on board. But to actually see how the sausage is made uh, is always very eye opening, um, and it's cool just to meet all the people who are making things happen for you. You know, you 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 see our design team up here working on the designs, and then you actually see them being printed out right there in front of your very eyes or you see an athlete that you were working to get signed for weeks uh, and then you see their jersey um, or, or jersey or whatever it might be being printed out and you kind of you're just holding it and you're like wow this we made this happen we made this come to life and so to see that end of things I always find fascinating uh, and it's always just a really cool experience yeah it's 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 easy to kind of get into the weeds and you miss, you miss the forest for the trees sometimes of just, you know, trying to get everybody on board and get stuff up and launch new schools and, and all this stuff. And it's really neat 
to be able to walk through the production floor and kind of all at once see the different things that we have going on. You know, you've yeah. got Virginia Tech stuff getting printed, U of I, Indiana, San Diego. Like there's just this a huge mix of colors and designs and athletes and phrases. And it's, it's really cool to see the physical product come to life. And I think it's something that's really special that we do at Campus Inc. I was just talking with somebody, especially when you're in licensed apparel, being able to be the ones that do the decoration and make sure it's exactly right. You know, as a, as a steward of that intellectual property, we take a lot of pride in how, we manage that brand, how we execute on that brand. Um, and it's cool to see how our production facility takes that so seriously um, and is really important to us. And it's something, let's put it this way, we're iterating on it every single day. Um, yeah. The one part about us is we are producing the stuff and actually putting it in bags. What, what guys, from your perspective, what's a misconception that you didn't know about the printing industry that now you've actually seen it happen? Adam, you've been in the space a little bit longer. I'm curious to hear from you, Sean. Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, ah, you put me on the spot here. Now I can't think of an answer. Um, <laughs> I, I think for me, you can, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of buffer time, Sean. I think for, <laughs> for me, it was and, and still is all of the steps it takes to do something that seems so simple. And yeah. you think about a T-shirt. And it's like, well, it's, you know, it's Amazon. Turn that around in, in 24 hours, 48 hours. And it's like, well, you know, that's a blank piece. And then it's a decoration and then it's shipping. And, and to get all of those pieces right in the right place at the right time is a lot of really hard work and takes a lot of really smart people to, to come together and, and pull that off. Yeah. And I guess for me, like I'm somebody who has zero previous experience working in retail or print. Um, and yeah, so my experience was going onto a website and finding a t-shirt that I liked and ordering it and a magic elf would, uh, print it and ship it and make it happen and be on my doorstep in a week. I never knew all the stuff that went on behind the scenes. Um, and there's so many different hands in the pot, people that are involved with um, QCing and especially what what we're doing where it's really customized um, for every single athlete. Um, and so I, I think that part is fascinating, just creating every single different, every single back for every athlete. They, they each have their own unique number. They each have their unique, own unique last name. And so um, there's just so many different areas that uh, people are involved in that have to be QC'd and make sure they're correct. And I mean, I think we're figuring like there's a little bit. So we are customizing every single item. So literally every item, like there are no two skew. I mean, you know, um, if you think about a shirt, you have the shirt, the style, the color, the size, <laughs> and then you have the front design and then the player's back design name and then the player's number. Uh, and then if you add two more products to that, it makes it com complex. I think Adam, like full, full transparency, we're, we're working through it, but we've definitely had some yeah. growing pains for sure. Um, for yeah. sure. Just th things that were like, Oh, okay. We didn't, we didn't think through that a little bit, but I will say something that was pretty funny. Um, so there's this whole thing of like color matching that's very particular in licensed space. And it's really hard to teach color theory and how Pantones work and CMYK and, you know, what's, what's national red versus cardinal red and crimson. <laughs> but what we do know is that our schools are very particular about colors. 
Um, Adam, do you want to, if, if I, I saw Adam running around yesterday with a color card book, like the one from Sherwin Williams <laughs> and jerseys. Yeah. And then he'd hit one and be like, yeah. got it. Yes. Yeah. All right. That one's good for Arkansas. Next. Um, can you tell us what you were doing yesterday? Cause I think it was fascinating just for a couple more minutes until we dive in. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It's fascinating. And it's one of those like weirdly satisfying things. So schools have very particular brand colors. It's, it's one of the most recognizable things about their brands. And you see this on social media and Instagram all the time and, you know, flip flop brand colors and, and whatever. And so getting that right is crucial to be a good partner, but also as a fan, like you want to wear the right color, but there isn't just this like magic button that you push and the color works on every medium, every, you know, garment type. Um, I it kind of explained it to my wife. Like if you go to the paint store and you get a little paint, you know, swatch card, they tell you to take it home and hold it up against the wall and then go to a different room and hold it up against that wall. Cause it looks different everywhere you go. Apparel and, and jersey colors are, are, are kind of the same way. And so when we sample and, and go to launch a new school, we have to bring in a range of, you know, kind of kind of bracket what that Pantone color, that like true color of that brand is to make sure that we nail it exactly right. Because if you're a couple shades off, you know, your fans are going to recognize it for sure. And so that's that's what I was doing yesterday was kind of taking that Pantone book, which is the, you know, the Bible, the gospel and running around and making sure that everything that we bracketed, every last accent color on every jersey we do is what we call Pantone perfect. Yeah, so it was pretty. It was pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see Adam. What six, seven months ago to now, he's got color cards. I mean, no one. We, we don't have a product manager that is that is building these jerseys. You know, we're we're doing it ourselves a little bit, and so it's been been pretty fascinating to watch y'all um get starting to get really good at it. Um, which is funny, Sean. You were gonna say something? Yeah. No, I, I yeah, it, it is fascinating. I I just wanted to ask you, Stephen, because I'm so curious to just hear from your standpoint. And I think the average person would like to know, today's December 15th. What is this time of year like for you down in a produ- production facility? You've been through many of these holiday seasons, but what's it like? How would you describe um, it? You know, I would love to say that every employee loves coming to work during the holidays, <laughs> but this is where these are just the unsung heroes that are coming to work every day because every day they come in, there are a thousand more orders to get out. And when the phones ring, someone's upset because, you know, UPS is taking a couple days and they're letting us have it. So it's, it's, uh, it's great. Cause we get to obviously, you know, put a bunch of gifts under Christmas trees and stuff like that, but it is a pretty intense time. I mean, the shop is running, probably 16, 17 hours a day. Uh, I think the team's worked every weekend for the last three weeks. Um, mm. And um, there's good days and there's bad days, you know? Um, and then every day there's a new surprise, right? And and what I remind all my friends in every space is be nice to your post office workers this time of the year. <laughs> nice to your FedEx drivers, your UPS drivers. If you're calling in Amazon because something's not right, be cool about it um, because, you know, things are going to happen, right? We say if we are 99% perfect, that means one out of every hoard, or one out of every 100 orders or could be a mistake. And if you're shipping out a thousand orders a day, that could be 10, 
right? And mm-hmm. that's if we were 99% perfect. And I don't expect students in school to be 99% perfect. But for some reason, when we call Amazon, we expect them to be 99.9999% perfect. And we are ruthless if, uh, <laughs> if they don't uh, think. So there is my PSA for the holidays. Thank you, Sean, for asking. Uh, sorry to go on a rant. I, uh, so we had an awesome episode last week. We dove into a lot of different things. And we're going to probably have some branch off episodes just from it because there were just so many ways that it could go. But uh, we were just kind of chatting about it. I was like, let's let's dig into a couple things that we really we talk about a lot at, at, at Campus Inc. But to really understand why we're doing it, how we're doing it. And Sean, you brought up our payment payout model. And I think this is a really hot topic. So I'll, we'll let you lead because... Uh, this is something. This is coming coming from your fingers on on the keys today. Yeah. So, what do you got? Yeah. No. Well, I, I just think that uh, I think we have a really impressive payout model, um, and I think uh, I'd argue that we offer the best commission rates to our athletes um, in the country. Um, and I don't know that many can compete with it, but there's a lot of things that have to happen on our end to make that happen, and. and I don't know that any uh, that everyone fully understands how that breakdown works, and so I, I, to be honest, I just want to start from the beginning because I wasn't part of those original conversations. Um, Stephen and Adam, I assume it was the two of you who were having those initial conversations on what we can offer athletes. Or Steven, this time I, I last know. year, this time last year, yeah, yep, yeah about, exactly about a year right. ago. So, what were those initial <laughs> conversations like? Shoot, Adam, I'm curious to hear. I have a lot of opinions. I want to hear from you. Shocker. Well, I, as, as I, as I remember it, um, I, I remember getting a text message from you when, when the legislation first started, and we've told this story a little bit, but there were some coaches reaching out, wanting to do stuff and, and whatever. And, and I remember asking you, well, what, what's your priority? Cause there's going to be a lot of people who, who just kind of want to jump into the space cause it's hot. But, but the thing that will, set somebody apart is actually helping the student athlete from a financial standpoint and giving them real opportunity. And that, that was always your phrase, like real money was, was your phrase, which is, yeah. you told you me know, like, Hey, let's stop using real money. Cause all money is real. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know what that means, but, but I get it right. Like we, we want to make them, you know, good, good money. We don't want it to be, you know, pennies on the dollar. And so that, that really came from you of just having a desire and, you, you say this a lot too, like this, this is our thesis here of, of how we're building the NIL stores is we want it to be a profitable and beneficial opportunity, not just, oh, I did an NIL thing. And so I think it's a really, I, I think it's a really big value add of us being able to handle it all in house and not be paying you know, six or seven people out on, on every step of the way. Oh, we contract out our printing. Oh, we, uh, contract out our designs. Oh, we, you know, we don't actually ever talk to the athletes. Oh, we do all the licensing through something else. Like we, we take a lot of ownership over every step of the process for that purpose so that we can ensure we keep the athlete at the forefront of a lot of those earnings since it is their name, image, and likeness that we're using. So Adam, you and I modeled it out. Actually, we're like, could we (laughs) run a company that actually doesn't work with the shirts, that it was actually a separate company. And if you mm-hmm. remember, we kept coming to the conclusion that there's just not enough in there to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so we said, remember, we're like, mm-hmm. we could start a new we company. Tried it th- yeah, yeah, we tried it three different ways. Um, and so then we, I just said, like, it's got to run through Campus Inc. If this is going to work, it's got to be a vertically integrated brand if it's going to work. 
And we have to be okay with charging a premium. Yep. This cannot be a discount t-shirt company. Yep. Because there's just not enough in there to make it to, to, to do that, right? Like at the end of the day, Campus Inc. is a for-profit company. I do have a paycheck. You all have paychecks too. We, you know, no one's flying private yet, but, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, we, we, we need to, we need to, we need, we need jobs. This is our livelihood. So I think my big thing is that we have been paying college students out for the last seven years. And mm-hmm. they are incentivized to sell B2B orders. They make anywhere 10, 12, 15% on their stuff. And if I don't pay them well, they're not motivated. Right. And I just, I think we looked at it and we said, how do we motivate? Like, what's the hook? How do we make an athlete's eyes light up? Because mm-hmm. if their eyes don't light up, then I'm not excited about it. But then it just won't work. Yeah. And like, I always say, like, if we're going to sell something, what's the hook? What mm-hmm. is the like, I feel good about this and it's, and it's, it's, it's got some gumption to it. And I think we just said it best. Like, I don't care about four or 5%. If our students selling Greek stuff made four or 5%, they wouldn't, they wouldn't care about it. And mm-hmm. I looked at how much money I made in college selling merch. It's exactly what I would do. I'd set up pre-orders. I would take the difference go buy it for cheaper, distribute them on campus. And that got me so excited in college. So like mm-hmm. knowing that we've got our students, knowing that four or 5% isn't going to make us happy, like make anyone happy, knowing that, like, what is that number? And I think we proved it out with Brandon Pajemski. I, oh, I think that was, that, that was the hook. Like we did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who, by and, the way, is having an the- awesome season at Santa Clara. Congrats, yeah. Brandon. Yeah. Shout out pods. Um, the other, the other thing that that really proved, and, and we talked about this, you know, from your merchandise background and my athletics background, the other thing that we were looking at was like, okay, if you're, I played men's volleyball, very few people care about men's volleyball. If you're a men's volleyball athlete, yes, I do. Um, and you're going to look at, you know, four or 5% on a t-shirt, to your point of the, those eyes lighting up, it's like, well, why, why would I do this? Right. So, so then why does the school care about that? It's like, well, we, we, we want everybody to be excited about this. And to your point with the Brandon Pajemski thing at, at that point, he was a freshman. He was a walk on, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, and it was really early on in the academic year. The season has, hadn't even started. We couldn't even sell a line stuff then with his name on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we did and- a, I mean, it wasn't even we, it was you, because that was before I came on. You guys did something for his high school. Yeah, it was his high school jersey. Um, he made like 10 bucks a piece. And I just told him and his dad, hey, this is what you're going to make. We're going to sell the jersey for this much. We should donate some money back to the high school. And we're going to do that because no one's going to buy your Illini stuff yet because no one knows who you are. <laughs> right? <laughs> or no one, no, one cares. <laughs> no, no one cares yet. Right? And uh, we had a plan. And, and I think he sold 60 or 70 jerseys. We made him 600 bucks, 500 bucks sweet yeah it's awesome i don't know the exact amount right and but but that was like okay it worked let's do it again okay it, it worked. It, let's do it it again. really sounds to me Stephen, like what, what kind of set you apart and gave you that perspective you talked about it was those seven years of already working and empowering mm-hmm. students to develop students as marketers to be their own marketers and salesmen um and i think and you can and you can clarify this even, but it sounds like that really is the model. Like working with athletes is no different than working with students who are selling. Well, who, who's our most recent creative account manager? 
Jason Wood. That's Jason right. Wood. He Came made bank in college. He made bank in college selling merch to to his frat, and and he believed in it enough. And well, now he's back working with athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but here here's something here's something that's interesting. I was at a dinner on Monday. And uh, we were going around icebreakers and they're like, okay, tell us something interesting about your industry or a fact about your industry. And I said something, I said, I don't know if this is true or not, but I bet you TikTok influencers make more on their merch than the average professional athlete in Hmm. terms of like how much revenue they bring. Adam, can you fact check me? <laughs> yeah, that take me that take me a bit, but I, I I don't think you're actually as far off as some people might think. If you're talking about besides averages, like LeBron James, right? Like right, let's, let's you, take you take out those team. outliers. Yeah, I mean it's influencing is a very lucrative mer, through merchandise is a very lucrative uh, uh, venture for sure. Influencing and, so and if, brand loyalty. If if you're a TikTok influencer that has a million followers. I've seen them run massive merch companies, right? And and do crazy drops and all that stuff. If you're a wide receiver on the Eagles, you're going to get a little payout from the PA, right? Unless right. you have someone running your own private brand or something like that, what the NFL is going to give you isn't isn't crazy, right? Right. Yeah. But but and, and that's where that's where this kind of like solidified for us is as we saw that that pro model continued to try to be applied at the collegiate level. It was like, well, that works at the pro level because they have a players union. There, there's a, a collectively bargained agreement that they've all kind of arbitrated and, and come to a consensus on that takes into account the fact that they're getting salary, the fact that they're getting, you know, potentially pension benefits, the fact that they're getting all of these other things that come along with that. No one's sitting at the table for student athletes right now, collectively bargaining for them. There's no players union that's collectively bargaining for them. So to take that, that, you know, small percentage of a model that at the pro level, they call it a sweetener, right? Because it's a sweetener, whatever. You're getting your contract, you're getting your benefits. And just say, oh, you get the same thing as a college athlete. It just didn't make any sense. It's like that that's not the same route. So why would we try you, to You can't pay use them? a sweetener if you don't have a con- if you're not making any money to play. There's nothing to sweeten up. <laughs> All you got yeah, is exactly. a <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like why why would we try to use the the you know the same model there? Um yeah, it 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 it, it it has proved to be a very, uh, you know, to your to your point from the beginning, when we, we want to make athletes' eyes light up, they do, and and it 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 works. So, without giving away the secret sauce, can you guys deep deep dive into that break that breakdown of how we pay out the athletes and and the rest of the payouts? Sure, uh, it's it's a rev share. So everything is on a rev share. Um, the more the athlete sells, the more money they're going to make. The better the athlete is on the court, the more merch they're probably going to sell, right? <laughs> so Adam had an awesome article in, in, on three that was fantastic, but it's a, very, it's a very simple model. It's somewhere around eight bucks from a t-shirt, that's the low, all the way up to 15 bucks a jersey and everything in between. Um, Adam, you want to, you want to dive into it more? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that, that really is it. You know, we, it's, it's somewhere in that eight to $15 range. We're very proud of that. And it's something that we try to 
to, to celebrate and communicate to the athletes very clearly. This is how much, you know, you can earn. Um, when we do the, you know, the custom, the limited releases, the custom drops, um, they, we, we want to incentivize them and encourage them to push that out to their fans, uh, because that only benefits them in the long run and teaches them about that digital marketing side of, of them building their brand, um, without waiting until after they've graduated or after they get out of, you know, some, some crazy licensing deal to, to actually earn some money from it. And if we're and, using a school's license, ahead, like we're, if we're using a school's license and we're using their logo on merch, is that affecting the, the payout for the athlete at all? No, no, we, but the school still makes money. Now, what the schools have done is they have and oftentimes lowered their standard royalty rate to make room for the athletes to make money. So the schools are, are thinking about this strategically, right? And so if a school's normal royalty rate, call it 15 cent, 15%, they might say for NIL, it's 12. Could be, every school is different. Um, some schools don't have that policy. Some do. It literally is, is completely different all across the board. But schools are accommodating for it. Um, they're accommodating for it because they knew there's, they know there's new like stimulus in the, in the market for it. And there, there's mm -hmm. a new vertical there. Um, but yeah, the schools, but, the schools are generating, you know, their licensing feed no differently than, than they would elsewhere. And, and to your point, Sean, that is, you know, that is a, a, an important distinction because there is, you know, some, I, I, I don't expect the, you know, the average person to know everything about the royalties and the ins and outs of how all this kind of stuff works. And, you know, I, I it was a time that I didn't before I, I learned it, but I didn't know there it until is like some, last January, <laughs> <laughs> but there is, you know, some sort of an idea of like, and we even get this from the student athletes sometimes like, Oh, you know, it doesn't carry university marks. So, you know, it doesn't cost as much or, Oh, it does carry university marks. So I, I, I'm not going to make as much. And it's like, no, you're going to make between eight and $15, whether it's university license or not. And so for us to be able to partner with those universities, partner with the student athletes, create the licensed apparel that still pays them out that much um, and generate a re potential revenue stream for, for the institution is, is uh, in, in my opinion, the way that NIL merchandise should work. Like the athlete should, should be able to, when they sell something, do more than, you know, put some quarters in the laundry machine, right? It should, it should impact them yeah. in some way. And the school should still be able to make, you know, their royalty off of the use of their intellectual property. That's how it should work. And I think what's interesting here, we do work with the parents a lot, say what it is. Like a lot of times it's, it's mom and dad and, and one of the athletes or an agent and an athlete. This is true entrepreneurship, right? They are putting their hard work on the court and creating their brand and marketing um, and in return, they are seeing an incremental amount for that. And, and that's the hustle, right? Like that's the athletic hustle. That's why we want them to see on their phones how much money they make in real time. And that's why they're paid out, you know, every week or every two weeks or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And, and um, I, I, that's special I'll talk to me at least. It is. And I, I wanted to talk about that piece about it specifically as well as it's important to us as a part of this model to get the athlete their money more than once every, you know, six months. Because again, if you think about your time in college and the, the, uh, the window that you have in season, it's usually only three months. So if you're waiting five, six months to get your money and you have no idea, you know, how much you're going to get or where your sales are at, 
you're, you may get that check and look back and be like, oh, I wish I would have pushed it a little bit harder. Or I wish I would have put that link in my bio or I wish I would have. And you've missed out on all of those opportunities, not just to earn, but to learn those lessons. And so if we can give them access to their sales data, their earning data in real time, sure, that's great. You can see it. It's exciting. It's cool. But you're also getting that learning development of you know, cause and effect of when I post on social media, when I put my link in my bio, um, there's just so much more value in that real time lesson that is so important, um, in the short window you have as a collegiate athlete. I think the bottom line here is we're not cutting corners with our model at all. When it comes to our athletes, the athletes are first in everything that we do. Uh, we're not doing, um, necessarily unlicensed stuff. Um, we're going through the schools, we're working through the schools, we're getting licenses, and we're still allowing our athletes to make as much money as they possibly can. And hopefully, hopefully we're forcing others to follow our model uh, because ultimately it puts the athletes first. Ha- have you, Stephen, have you heard from anyone else in the industry or Adam, anybody else in the in- industry that thinks that our model can't work? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember, I remember actually very early on, um, I was talking to a school, uh, that was working, you know, with, a uh, at this point it was like an NIL consultancy because they didn't have an official NIL department. And I was just getting raked over the coals of like, there's no way you're paying the athlete that much. There's no way they're earning that much. It's never going to work. It's never going to blah, blah, blah. That doesn't make any sense. And I just had to stick to my guns. And Steven and I have been on plenty of calls where we just have to take it on the chin and say, nope, it's, it's going to work. And for this story in particular, um, that, uh, gentleman is now a good partner of ours, uh, and has seen that it does work and it's beneficial (laughs) for everybody. And it, it is harder to your point. We're not cutting corners. It is harder. Um, it's more difficult. It takes more effort. Uh, it takes more commitment, but at every step of the way it is worth it. And that's what we like to do. Yeah. I mean, I've been told that a lot. <laughs> and uh, when you go back and you look at the dashboards and the numbers and you see, you see like people buying merch for, call it not basketball and football. And you see a fan buying a piece of merch and then buying a completely different player's merch. Like, like you just know you're like, it's working, it's working, it's working. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... Um, we're going to Vegas and maybe we'll have to start talking about that. We have a huge licensing tailgate show. We're going to have a massive booth in Vegas and talk to a lot of partners there. A lot of people that I actually just kind of, I went there innocently, like just like, Hey, I want to ask questions. And I got a, there's no way you're going to be able to model this. You're, there's no way you're gonna be able to do this. And, uh, when people keep saying that, you know, you're doing something right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, I, I feel like yeah. having, having watched you run campusing, Stephen, I feel like you have been told that's not going to work for many years uh, with, with some of your crazy ideas and stuff. And it seems like every yeah. time it works. Um, you got to understand, we're in a simple business. <laughs> we put a logo on a shirt and ship it out. Like, I'm not, I always say this, we're not curing cancer. We are not brain scientists. We are, we are taking a, a, a you know, like a, art on a shirt and getting it out and, and putting money in people's pockets, it can be done. There, there is a way to, to, to do it. And yes, we have an amazing NIL team. We have an amazing engineering team. 
we have an amazing accounting team, ops team. Yes, there are so many layers of the onion to peel back. Um, I've been approached by people doing the same in the space saying, how are you doing it? And I'm like, I have a pretty kick-ass team. Um, <laughs> you know, like uh, that, that is probably the, the, the easiest thing to just respond to people and be like, yeah, our squad's pretty cool. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, and, and we'll continue to do that. And, you know, um, hopefully, yes, we start to turn will- the industry around. I have one other. This is just a memory that just always sticks in my head. It was Steven and I were on a meeting again. This is this is pretty early on, and we were kind of explaining how it works. And uh, I, I remember they just they point blank asked us just why why do you want to pay them that much? Because no one else was doing it, and and still no one else is doing it. And it like got kind of quiet for a second, and you know I was waiting for the CEO to to give his answer, and he was just like it's the way it should be done. We just believe that's how much they can and should earn. And so we're going to do it. And I mean, we just haven't looked back since then. Yeah. I always said, like people ask me, like, I don't know, it just kind of feels right. <laughs> my gut, my gut no, no. tells me it feels right. Yeah. My gut tells me it feels right. So we're just going to go with it. Right. Um, but no, that's no. all right. Um, okay. So let's, you know, a lot of people ask me I get questions. What is Learfield? What is a group licensing agreement? What what are these things? Does Learfield compete with you? H- how does that? And I've answered. I've actually got this question a couple times the last couple of weeks. Uh, Professor Cook, can you talk about what our association with, is with a company like Brandar Group who has GLAs out there that do help the athletes, and what our relationship looks like with a Learfield or or things like that, so that listeners can kind of understand that and how we we do work with everyone. <laughs> Yeah, a hundred percent. Agnosticism is is the word that uh, we, we kind of throw around in terms of oh, are, are they competitors? You don't want to work with them. When you get into to licensed um, anything, merchandise, products, goods, um, you know, commercials, broadcasts, uh, there is intellectual property that is owned. So for our intents and purposes, we're talking about school logos. Well, the schools. Um, want people to use their logos because that creates a royalty for them and, and creates fans, creates revenue, etc. What they don't want to do is have to individually manage or work with every person that wants to use their uh, their logos. And so um, companies like Learfield, CLC, IMG, formerly, um, they are, are basically brand managers, we'll call them. So, so they're almost like the gatekeepers for these brands. And so they will um, vet licensees like Campus Inc. and make sure that, hey, not only are you using the marks in the right way, but you're a, an upstanding company. We answer a lot of questions when we're going through licensing processes about our FLA standing and are, are we a member and what are our supply chain? Um, uh, what does that look like? And so it, it, they handle a lot of that vetting process to make sure that you are up to the task of handling the brand the right way. Um, and then the other piece of that question is like organizations like brand are one team and these group licensing agreements. So uh, particularly in merchandise, there's kind of two ways that you can go about um, licensing products. So that's one-to-one. So that would be, you know, me taking the effort to call you up, Stephen, and saying, hey, I'm a licensee at University of Illinois. I'd like to work with you. We can ha- have that one-to-one conversation. But the group license comes in place where it says, hey, you know, we're going to have a large group, three or more people opt in to this pool. 
And instead of you having to have individual conversations with all these brands that want to work with you, we'll go out and have those conversations for you. And we'll make sure that they're using your, you know, your name, image, and likeness the right way. We'll make sure that, um, you know, they're a reputable company and we're going to basically generate these opportunities for you. And all you have to do is collect a check, you know, at at any certain interval, we'll create the opportunity for you. And so it's more of an opt-in process versus like a, you know, hey, I'm going to have this conversation with the brand. And it can, you know, be a really great uh, avenue for for athletes. You know, you look at trading cards as an example, right? Um, you don't want to have to do an individual deal with every athlete across the country. You want to be able to have a, a group licensing agreement handle that piece. Um, the video game is another big piece of it. And, you know, jerseys are another great way to to apply a group license. Yeah, the poster that we did at Indiana, those kind of things. Um, and so there are instances where we actually do, you know, we work with the GLA and when we think, okay, this is probably a better route to take the GLA this route. And, um, you know, we're fortunate to have them also believe in, it's not a this or that it's an and conversation. We keep saying it's an and conversation. You should be able to use the GLA and have one-to-one deals, right. Mm -hmm. And to be able to co-license, um, and, and to be able to, and, and I think that's, what's funny. No one thinks it's all possible. (laughs) No one yeah, exactly. It's possible. Well, um, it's, and, it's not yeah. possible when you get people looking out for themselves. But fortunately, there are a lot of great, great partners that, that we found that all, you know, they all want the same thing. And that's the benefit of the athlete. So I was going to say, while you're on that topic, can you inject the agency? So like if, for instance, we're working with an agency, how does that work? Yeah. Great question. While, while we're on top of hands being fed because they are professionals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, and you know, I, th- I think agencies or agents have been a really interesting topic of conversation as it, it relates to NIL and to be fair, like any other kind of opportunistic landscape, there have been some bad actors that have popped up and, you know, there hasn't been a, a really great, um, requirement of qualifications to, to be an agent, but we work with fortunately, um, a lot of the best in the industry. And so what their role is, is kind of what I described with the GLA a little bit is to go out and, and advocate for and find opportunities for their clients, the athletes. So how it works for us and our relationship is, you know, we always want to speak directly with the athlete. Um, you know, it's, it's really important from a creative standpoint for us. It's really important from a relationship standpoint from us. Uh, but that agent really kind of comes in as a trusted professional to ensure that the terms of the deals that, that we're signing are favorable for both parties are, uh, legally enforceable, which there are a lot of contracts out there that aren't actually legally enforceable. Um, and, and, and are, are kind of making sure that, Every step in the process doesn't get stalled. It continues to move on and advocate for the student athlete at every step of the way. And so we're really grateful for the agencies that we work with. And, and we've made some really great relationships. And you find those trusted partners and, you know, they, they continue to bring us their athletes because they know, hey, this is you're not going to find a, a, a better deal than this. So um, it, it really is just finding those trusted partners that are professionals that know how things should work know what the industry standards are and can advocate for you uh, as you try to navigate this new space. Sweet. Thanks for that little, I, I just think that was relevant. I want to switch gears for a second because Sean 
Sean is like my CNN for the NCAA. Whenever <laughs> I have a question about anything, I'm like, Sean, what's the lowdown out of this? He'll give me the whole the whole breakdown. There's a new there's a new governor in town. <laughs> Well, the way it works is I break, I break, I break the news, and then we go to Professor Cook to give his analysis on the news. That's how it typically goes. But, but yeah, you guys are retired, old, bearded, half bearded men, and your beards are falling out. You're gonna be on. Uh, You're gonna have your own sports show someday. It's not just a podcast thing. Like we were walking to lunch, and this is literally what happened. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we're coming up on time, so we can just run through it. Some quick hitters. No, no, we got, we got time. We got time. uh, What do you got? Well. I guess we should just be clear. Uh, massive news in the NCAA today. Um, Charlie Baker, who is the current governor of Massachusetts, uh, was named as the successor for Mark Emmert as president of the NCAA. So massive news in the NCAA. Um, Emmert, he's coming up uh, at the end of his his term. Baker, he's con- he's still the governor of Massachusetts right now. His second term concludes in January, and then he'll start in his new role with the NCAA on March 1st. Um, he actually played basketball at Harvard in the late 70s, but he has no previous collegiate administrative experience. Um, pretty obvious the NCAA is positioning self um, to make a stronger push for federal rules. But yeah, I mean, I mean Adam, what, what do you think? What does this mean um, for the NCAA? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think any time there's a big industry change in terms of your professional career, particularly from being in in public politics, I think it's probably noteworthy and interesting to probably pay attention to. Um, And to me, this indicates a little bit that the NCAA has gone through a lot of legislative challenges in the last 18 months, we'll say, and particularly has been sued multiple times for antitrust uh, violations, right? And so what still hasn't come down uh, in any of this NIL space is any sort of, of official legislation. And so I think as we look at the path forward in the next five, 10 years, whatever it may be, a lot of what I would see the NCAA's path forward to success are, are dependent on a number of key factors. One, um, you know, do student athletes continue or, or does their classification change to being employees? That that would change things pretty significantly. How do these grants of rights deals um, continue to impact conference realignment, et cetera? And then obviously how to collect this function across state lines and in different uh, areas. So there's a lot of things dependent on official legislation, uh, and particularly the NCAA seeking out some sort of antitrust exemption. And so if that's what you're going to pursue, it would be really, really beneficial to have somebody (laughs) at the helm who understands the political ecosystem, the political sphere, and has connections and and knows how that world works. So my, my uneducated, uh, assessment or analysis is that that probably is, is the play and probably pretty wise in looking towards the next five to 10 years and what needs to get done at a federal level. Yeah. Yeah, And 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 I I mean, go ahead, ahead, Sean. Sorry. No, no, I, I, my opinion does not matter here. Go ahead. I would (laughs) love to hear your thoughts though. Go ahead. You got it. I, I mean, I just think of like, I had to Google, is he a Democrat or Republican? Like, what, what side does he lead on? Like, I'm just sitting here on Google right now. Uh, and I'm like, okay, there's a search committee, which is good. Um, like, Grant Hill was on the search committee. Bipartisan, that's cool. 
Um, you know, uh, I don't know. I have so many questions. Is he just like a sports nut? Like, yeah. The the quick thing I Googled was lawyer admit about this. Yeah. Quick thing I Googled. He's a Republican governor in Massachusetts. Uh, and his approval rating is unbelievable. He's highly successful. And so look, you know, it almost, you just want to put people who make things happen and are successful in places um, where that needs to happen. So, uh, you know, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic for it. Well, and and the other thing that we don't quite know yet is, you know, there, there's a little bit of maybe some old school approach to NIL and some new school approach to NIL. And I think a lot of it has to depend on what your personal experiences are and, and personal beliefs. And I don't think we know yet. Like, is he what what side of the NIL fence does he lean towards. Um, and, and that, you know, there's no way to know that we just have to kind of wait and see, but it is interesting to watch a lot of these sports governing bodies turn to different industries for their executive leadership. You know, this is one really great example. The other example we were talking about today at lunch, Sean was, you know, the former CEO of rock nation becoming the, I think is a big 12 commissioner. Like that's a, that's a pretty big shift from, you know, this massive entertainment agency to being a, a, a commissioner of a conference that's responsible for governing, you know, a bunch of member institutions. So it will be very interesting to watch. Yeah. I think the bottom line is this news just dropped today. There's going to be a lot more that comes out from it. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it much, much more. Um, shifting, you know, all we want to see my last, my last take is like, all we really want to see is like, Con- continuing to see the NCAA as an ally to the athletes, right? Yep. I think that 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 has to be the thing. Charlie Baker, if you're listening to this because you were doing research on NIL because you didn't know about it a little bit ago, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Come on the show. <laughs> yeah. Love to have you. <laughs> Sean, what else do you got? What else is well, hot? I was just going to ask you, Stephen. Well, not hot. I was going to ask you if things were a little chilly. Were they a little cold this past week? Did anything happen? Uh, was there a one-year anniversary that had to do with something cold happening? I don't know. Yeah, it was my one year anniversary of emailing Mark Cuban. And so I like to share memories with Adam Cook because, you know, we have a little special bond. And sure enough, Adam sent me a bunch of cold treats. I got cold brew, cold, uh, some cold beer that was like cold branded. What was the brand of it? It was really good. Yeah. It was like, like cold uh, packs or something like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got ice cool cream. house, ice cream cookies. Yeah. Cool house, ice cream cookies. Uh, this would be an out of do. We send each other treats. Sean, if you steal those <laughs> off my doorstep, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start texting Sean like, Hey, I'm sending an order over to Steven. Go well, ahead and what's grab funny it. is we, we both use the same courier service to do it. Um, and so I get a text where it's like a delivery is coming and I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but that, that, uh, yeah, like maybe on another day we can chat more about it, but I, I, you know what I really want to do, Adam? I want to go back through our text messages and see the like, hey, I just texted totally. Mark. Like that, that's what <laughs> that, that's what'll be funny. But no yeah, attention yeah, they, there. That's just that's just a goofy like goofy fun funny thing that uh, that uh, we had. Um, we Sean, like to what about, what about you? What's our nil deals of the week? Talk, talk uh, to us the, about that. Yeah, nil deal of the week. Um, this one goes out to uh, a girl named Bella Rasmussen. Um, she is a high school football player in uh, Laguna Beach. Became the first female in history to score two two touchdowns 
in a single game. Um, and for that, she just signed an NIL deal with Keywise AI. So that's a mental health app. Um, shout out Bella. That's just really cool. Um, she's yeah. making things happen. She's making history and um, just got to give her a shout out for it. Very cool. And, and Jason and the market price team too. Uh, that's, that's how that was, was uh, done. Oh, that's so right. They're doing some great work over there. That's yeah. right. Oh, yeah. no way. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it in the family. Heck yeah. Congrats, Jason, yeah. and the team for, for pulling that off. Sean, what about uh, Campus Inc. NIL Merch of the Week? You got anything that uh, you're excited about? Merch of the Week, we just dropped Sincere Harris's Mr. 94 Feet, which I just think is really cool. Like, uh, for those who haven't seen Sincere Harris, he's an Illinois basketball player who just straps guys up on defense. Like, he gets in a point guard's face, mm-hmm. and that's why he's called Mr. 94 Feet. That's the length of a basketball court. And that entire 94 feet, he's just in that guy's grill. Uh, and he's a pest, man. He just gets after it. I think he like broke out in the um, – were you guys playing UCLA? Was that the game? I think yeah, it was UCLA. he came in he, and just yeah. turned the game around. Oh, he was a beast. So it's, pumped it's, about that. It's funny when Underwood calls him in. We obviously watch all the games, and, and you'll see when Underwood's getting a little pissed. He'll be like, sincere, come here. <laughs> <laughs> Locked down. He's like, he's like no. release – <laughs> Such a good kid too. After we, after we, I just got to shout him out. I just love to see it. After we launched it, he like sent us a text message. He was like, thank you guys so much. It's like, man, that's so cool. I, I just love when, when, I don't know, you just see get kids hearts like that. There. Yeah. And LeBron, rad, uh, he went to LeBron's high school, right? Yeah. That's same thing, yeah. Same that's, and so LeBron gave him a retweet a couple weeks ago on having a killer game. Yeah. Um, uh, super cool to see, see our athletes, um, doing it. So that's awesome. Um, Sean, you got anything else for us? I have nothing else other than I just want to say, uh, you guys got to make sure that you tune in next week. We're going to have Grace Berger on the podcast. Grace Berger, Indiana women's basketball star player. Uh, her coach wore her merch on the sidelines and we're going to get Grace's perspective on it. So it'd be pretty cool. Just a little tease. Love it. And and we, we didn't talk about new schools this week. Should we just wait till next week? Yeah, we'll just we'll keep stacking it up. Yeah, we'll keep stacking it up. Tune in next time for the NIL show. This is another episode with Adam and Sean. Have a have a killer day. We'll talk to you all soon. See you guys. See ya. Hey everyone, Adam Cook from Campus Inc. in the NIL store. Just wanted to say thanks again for listening and joining us on this journey. And as a reminder, if you ever need any teamwear, custom merchandise, rec or youth league jerseys. Uh, fraternity and sorority wear or company merchandise we're always here for you you can find us at campus.inc and of course for all your nil needs nil.store